This is a show for grown-ups. And they say bad words. And they say bad words. Say final warning. Final warning. Welcome to the Pod of Blunders. I'm the host, Nate Magnuski, and with me today is my special guest, Wendy. Hi, I am Wendy. It's true. There's no getting around that. (laughs) I mean, there's getting around me. I am not very big. I have no way of verifying that. The cameras are off. (laughs) (laughs) Perhaps I am in fact a mountain. (laughs) hmm. Well, you have a great Wi-Fi reception if you are a mountain. So congratulations on that. (laughs) I mean, it's very funny because uh, from here I I, I am, from where I live, I can actually see the Pyrenees, the Pyrenean mountains, the the chain of mountain that uh, is like at the border between Spain and France for my uh non-geographically gifted uh listeners out there thank you we are painfully american so i appreciate that <laughs> <laughs> but i and can actually see mountains which is nice <laughs> i can see uh, a liquor store and some woods so i'm right there with you <laughs> i mean hey <laughs> that, that is that are t- that is like the two essentials uh, of life as a human being liquor stores and woods to get lost in and get snatched by beasts Sometimes exactly. when you just want to, you know, give up on life and become a swamp body, a bog body. A bogdi, I like that. <laughs> In fact, I will now change my name to bogdi. <laughs> I am the Wendy of the bog, the bogdi. <laughs> it's important to have goals. <laughs> manageable goals. Yeah. I love that you instantly took this into like a horror direction, like getting lost in the woods, <laughs> pursued by animals. Listen, I have a brand. <laughs> I have a character. No, I, I've, I have a, um, how, shall I say, a, a manière d'être, because I have to also work in the fact that I'm French. <laughs> <laughs> because if I don't, people get uh, blindsided and accuse me of trying to hide this wretched deformity that is being born in the island. Uh, in the in the island, this is not an island. This, we are <laughs> we are in fact not an island. I mean, give it time. You never know. <laughs> I mean, yeah, sure. Put <laughs> enough explosives, you know. Yeah. Uh, well, you do have a brand, absolutely. Because I, I looked through your body of work that's on itch, and yes. it seems like horror is your milieu. Uh, it is quite my milieu. I uh, sometimes I just like take a scroll down that list, and I'm like counting the things that are not horror, and. Um, it is one. <laughs> there is, no, there is two. There is the Sky Gardens of Moramont, which is mm-hmm. just uh, a thing I did for uh, tr- one of my very first like works uh, and my very first like solos thing, uh, which is a just a, a um, pocket sphere uh, from the Troika pocket sphere jam, uh, which is just like, uh, it's just, you know, the sky islands thing but you have giant eels and mores and mantas in it <laughs> because why not 
And the other thing is Rust and Raiders, which I am still working on. The early access rules are there uh, in Pay mm-hmm. What You Want, which is a uh, post-apocalypse thing, which has some horror theming in it, if you want to put it there. But it is mostly just uh, Mad Max slash Genshi fun stuff. What is it about the horror genre that, that really draws you? The way I like to explore horror is purely as a a way to say what you have lived through is fucked up mm-hmm. and it's to affirm that pain is real and uh which is why i always like trying to make my horror as i i think i aim for genuine is the, is the word i would use i guess mm-hmm. uh, i aim for horror that is just like personal and like that goes into the in like enough details about why the thing you're going through is fucked up that someone feels seen by it and is like yeah that's that's what i lived through in metaphor but still that and on the other hand without being complacent or fetishizing about it i think the the place i come from uh, with horror is like mostly pain (laughs) Mm -hmm. that uh, as a person you live through and i think the way that I enjoy working through it is literally just by undoing all the gaslighting I've been through as a person and being like, no, 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 I, I was not imagining things. What happened to me was fucked up, in fact. Uh, so that's what draws me to it. It's, it's a very good way to express things in ways that give you control over it in order to make it both more real and more uh, touchable in a way. Uh, yeah, then, yeah. Um, tactile. Uh, yeah, tactile. Like, uh, not necessarily graphic, mm. because what I'm interested in, like, my games can have gore in them, but it's not the point of them. It's mostly that it's really, a, I want it to be raw. I want it to be like, the, I want to call to the emotion of the people. And I think the, the thing I'm aiming for is catharsis and, and like just it, putting everything out there and just like talking about it in order to like begin a healing process. That is why like the core foc- focus of uh, Fear and Fathoms is like it's a game about horror, but it's also a game that is about healing and like just having a constant reminder that shit hurts. And because shit hurts, it is. Uh, valid to take a break. Uh, that is why, like in the rules, I insist that every session ends on a slice of life moment that is just the people that you're playing having a moment as people. It's not necessarily a good moment uh, because, you know, people can be shit. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, hurt people can hurt people. Uh, it's like just a thing that is not directly tied to the supernatural, but tied to who the characters are as people uh because i think that's where i'm interested in horror i'm interested in horror in what it does to people how it shapes them and how as a person who has suffered from trauma you can take control of your story and like deal with it on your own terms what i hope that i'm doing with my horror is i hope it's empowering to at least writing it felt powerful to me I interviewed a, a, a game therapist, like she ran games to teach social skills to young girls who were on the spectrum, like the autism spectrum. 
And she was using that like, okay, you're going to go into a city, it's a new city, and here's what you have to do to learn how to like mimic and how to ask questions to people and how to best, you know, fit in. And it was teaching their social skills through the lens of a game. So what you're saying almost reminds me of that. Like, this is a, a I don't want to say safe place, but this is a controllable arena mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. to deal with traumas potentially. Yeah, exactly. Another thing that I that I put less into fears and fathoms because fears and fathoms is more uh, in a way escapist because you get to deal with what you do and whenever it gets overwhelming, uh, the game encourages you to take a step back and to replace your character with someone who can who has also things to like deal with and can deal with it in an active way. Um, but uh, what I also want is for people to also be okay with being kind of fucked up little guys sometimes because the DNA for Fears and Fathoms can be found in in my most popular release, which is The Stars Won't Break Me, which is a supplement for Mothership. It's a mod for the Panic Rules where basically characters, instead of like getting a random weird effect when they panic, they get a random coping mechanism Hmm. Uh, which is not a good impulse, usually. Uh, it's like either dangerous for you or for the others or for both. Kind of in a, in a way that was reminiscing of like, I guess, Darkest Dungeon. But the difference with Darkest Dungeon is that when you get that coping mechanism, what it does is that it makes you better at dealing with the things that make you scared because that's what a coping mechanism does. It It actually helps with the thing you are dealing with and like a lot of them are unhealthy in ways that sort of displace the problem and the idea is that at every turn uh, players playing with my custom rules can just displace trauma any place that they can just choose to not do the thing they can choose to uh also like remove things from the table because like sometimes the table will deal with shit that people will not want to have ever expressed in a game such as self-harm, uh, substance abuse, because these are very common coping mechanism. Uh, they're not good, <laughs> but I mean, that's not necessarily what people are looking for when they are playing games. Sometimes they want to be like, no, 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 uh, I want to get invested in this character who self-harms. And that's their problem. And they're going to deal with it and they are going to be okay. Or not, maybe they will die and it will be tragic, but it will make, it would, it will make me feel the things that I need to feel and that I want to feel because sometimes it, it also helps dealing with uh, stuff when you just put yourself through uh, a proxy of pain, I suppose. That's that's my experience, at least. I, I don't. I definitely do not think that my horror games are for everyone, and I don't think they are for every horror enjoyer, because I don't think we go into the genre looking for the same things. Hmm. But that's what I'm trying to offer. We mentioned fears and fathers, but we haven't talked about like what this is specifically yet. And I want to give the game yeah, like a true. space to breathe. So tons of horror games out there, especially in the indie scene. What? kind of hard as fears and fathoms do well what what is it for i think i hope that uh in my game designing wisdom i have made it a game about like i said personal horror the main like whole conceit of the game is that 
you will get hurt doing what you do. And what you are going to do is investigating paranormal going-ons and uh, shenanigans. Uh, you are going to fight a mysterious force that we just nebulously call the strange, because the aim of the strange is for the game master to have a, to just like fill in the blanks of any genre, any specific themes and genres of horrors they want to do. You could theoretically use uh, Tears and Fathoms for kind of any universe. Uh, the main inspiration, of course, is, uh, you know, stuff like the Cthulhu mythos, uh, like the, the uh, Lovecraftian eldritch type of horror. That's the main thing. Although I guess like my my personal inspirations are more like the King in Yellow and so and such, but you know it's this sort of sphere. Uh, but you could definitely like do zombie drama very well with it because the main like conceit of the game is you are people, you are regular people with feelings, hopes, dreams, and nightmares. Uh, and right now the nightmare part is prevalent, and you want to hold on to the rest. So it's a game that uh, is light on rules and functions with a system that is inspired by, you know, uh, the Forged in the Dark games with a sort of uh, position mechanic, which means that when you roll, the worse the situation you are in, the worse the consequences for a failed roll will be. And uh, most actions have either a cost no matter what, or a cost if you do not roll well enough. And that's the, uh, that's the main, that's also the main idea is that no matter what you do, you will get hurt and it's okay to get hurt. It does not mean that you have failed. It does not mean that you are a not a good person if you fail, because you are facing stuff that no normal person uh, should face. But most importantly, you're not alone. Because you're never alone. There's a group with you, and at any point, you can replace your character with another one. And since it's a system that does not put an emphasis at all on, like, really being good at what you do, and is most, mostly about being good at managing the uh, consequences of most of the actions that you're going to take, it's, it's never about how you are, uh, you are going to, like be the best monster hunter on the, uh, around the block. It's not monster of the week. It's not uh, like Cthulhu pulp. It's about how various people come together and because they are human uh, and because they care about each other, they uh, manage to push back against the darkness that invades their everyday life. I love that this game is born out of like a cosmic horror idea and it's initially, you know, which is the most impersonal horror there can be. It's the unknowable, mm-hmm. it's that fear, that classic fear that you get from Lovecraftian stuff. Mm-hmm. But this isn't about that. It's not about react. It's, it's about the people who are experiencing mm-hmm. this. Yeah. And that's so cool. Uh, I, thank you. Uh, <laughs> it's one, a very wise person once said to me um, that the single most uh, powerful acts of resistance in the face of entropy and at the end of everything is existing, just being a person mm. and 
That is, you can just keep on existing. That's all you can do. And yet it is, it is extre an extremely powerful act of defiance in the face of the end. And uh, that person is one of my partners, Sheva. Uh, if you're listening to, the, to that, Sheva, I love you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, it's, I, I struggle a lot with this existential dread, like, like profoundly. <laughs> Um, uh, it's something that like keeps me awake at night sometimes. And I, Fears and Fathoms is one of the way I fight with that. Uh, just by reminding that it can, like both things can be true, that on the one hand, every single person is important, uh, valuable and loved. And on the other hand, no one can demand that you be there for everything and no one can force you to work through everything when what you need is a break uh, what what really matters is that someone keeps the fight going and you can only do that if you accept the, the like if you accept the fact that you deserve a break from the fighting because if you don't you are going to burn out yeah i mean thinking of like existential philosophy for a bit and mm -hmm. your country maybe came up with that so i think you must be familiar right you, you know those guys Sartre <laughs> and <all that. laughs> yeah Sartre uh, and all that yeah. yeah Camus, your buddies um yeah it's it's one thing to say okay existence is like a vulgar absurdity you know, it has no it base. is it, it has is. no basis and that's it's disgusting but then the other part of that is like okay if you can create some sort of meaning in there then that's the highest meaning there can be because that's what's true exactly. to you as an individual yeah and it's it's just this thing where uh there is nothing more painful than the weight of the universe and um like you can't like it's like there is a fundamental contradiction in being afraid at the end of everything is that if you are so scared about the fact that you are so small why do you make it your task to be important hmm. if it doesn't matter in the end what should be your task is to just be happy by being yourself like sure okay you are an ant you are an ant in the in the grand scheme of thing uh you are barely more than a speck of dust on uh, a grain of sand sure whatever is that like enormous is that like something that is that's weighing on you or that nothing okay why why is it important if you are not and yeah. if like wow yeah if why is it important that you are nothing if you are nothing uh why do you let that be the thing that crushes you uh you do that mostly because uh existential dread is a gateway for all the things that the real world the real petty speck of dust on which you live uh, like makes you go through every day, uh, like people being mean to you, people belittling you. Uh, they make you care about that because they make you guilty about being small, because make you feel guilty about being small because they themselves uh, think they are important and find solace in that because they are fleeing from the things, from the same thing as you, deep down. <laughs> right. And yeah, uh, if it doesn't matter, uh, 
And if it's your, if you're so small as you think you are, then that means you can also just let go and be okay and work on things that at your level make you feel okay. It's kind of beautiful, you know. It's it's free. <laughs> it's terrifying, but it's freeing as well. Yeah. It reminds me of a, a book I read a while ago. It was the uh, Unbearable Lightness of Being, Malam Kundera. And mm-hmm. the whole thing is like, okay, so you've made this choice and these are the consequences. Mm-hmm. You can never go back to make a different choice. So you have no idea if what you did was a good choice or the bad choice. Mm. It just is the choice. And because there's no weight to it, there's no actual consequence to it long-term. Yeah. There's no way to know if you had, if you did the right thing, it's essentially meaningless. And that's an, it's a terrifying <laughs> thing to deal with but it's also it's your light you're free because there is yeah. no ultimate consequence or way to know if you did the right thing it's it's the cool thing about hauntology is that uh, ghosts do not exist <laughs> <laughs> uh hauntology the point of uh explanation of terms for the listeners at home who may not be as terminally online as i am and may <laughs> not have uh, watched uh, either dad then dads or uh, ADL forms philosophy tubes uh, videos on the subject, but ontology essentially uh, the pasts that you do that you have not lived through are ghosts that haunt you. Uh, uh, I.e., there is a red ghost that haunts Europe, the red specter of communism. Uh, that is ontology. Like Europe is haunted by a reality that never came to be and never will be because it is dead. Uh, uh, the past of a the past of a fully communist Europe. Uh, if people think about it every day, uh, despite they, they think about it cons- consciously or not, like it's something that haunts us as French people, uh, especially le- leftists. Uh, and the same is true for just personal choices of your life. I am haunted by uh, the past I could have had as a comedian in the uh, French, uh, in the Comédie Française. I'm haunted by that. I think about it uh, very often. And like, these are, this is what like your thing is touching on. It's that, sure, but it's dead. (laughs) (laughs) It's like pointedly, goats, do not exist, <laughs> mm. uh, or if they do, uh, they have yet to have any great impact on history and the world and on anything but uh, the lives of specific people they have haunted. Mm. Uh, and you can fight them. That's what's cool about it. You can call <laughs> off the Ghostbusters. Uh, you can call a ghost busting show. You can call the uh, paranormal home inspectors and fi- find out that actually, uh, no, there's no ghost haunting you. Just have a door that is too small for the frame. <laughs> and so there's a wind that makes a weird noise. <laughs> this metaphor got out of me, got out of, uh, got out of hand at some point. <laughs> I love it. No, me. the <laughs> metaphors, the metaphor got a little sweaty, but I'm here for it still. I love it. <laughs> Now I'm just picturing a game where I have to like have these ultra conservative Ghostbusters fighting ghosts of communism. <laughs> yes. Oh my god. Oh yeah. That's that's actually great. Okay. I, I think that's something I would genuinely love to play. Like someone who just is just like frothing at the mouth, and he's like, "Do you have communists in your pantry?" And like people are like, "Sir, this is Venice." <laughs> <laughs> 
Hello, ultra-right Ghostbusters. I have a ghost that keeps telling my child to share his snacks with his, with his sister. I need him gone. Uh, now, okay, this podcast is over. We're going to be doing this game now. We're going to be creating this live on stream. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, there, no there pressure. There are some, some games like that where I, I start making them, and I'm like, wait, this hits too close to home. <laughs> like, it's, it's funny, I was, I was talking to a friend, um, I was talking to my friend Jay, uh, the, uh, like just this afternoon, I was uh, telling uh, Jay uh, like, hey, uh, I, I, because it was relevant to the, uh, the conversation we we're having about like paranoia about people like not liking us. Mm. And I was like, uh, okay, so I was working on this game that I called, can't we just dine like a family for once? <laughs> which is a hidden rule which like the principle was a hidden rule game about uh so the only non-hidden rule is the dad the dad is very tired and just wants to dine like a family for once and the dad is so tired that he doesn't remember who is dining with <laughs> and he can only like piece it together because he has a vague idea about what about what everyone around every single person around the table is mad about <laughs> and the, every other hidden role has like one thing they are mad about and they have to try to hint about it like very passive aggressively but also like sort of like but, but like make sure that the dad feels bad about it but not that they can be tr- but also to make uh the dad make false calls as to who is currently talking to them and being passive aggressive uh, so they, they can pile on, you don't even recognize your own mother, Edward. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That, that's, it's, it's too real. Like, <laughs> it is way too real. <laughs> that's the problem. Like, it is specifically my worst nightmare. Uh, and it's like, if I ever played this, I think I would die. <laughs> <laughs> Wendy, why are you crying? Don't ask me any more questions. <laughs> I'm just tired. <laughs> it's it's a game that i like i think i might like write one day and i will like it will contain disclaimer if you play this game do not tell me (laughs) do not tell me about the game you've had only tell me if you enjoyed it and if you didn't just say that you didn't and do not give me details i will not be taking (laughs) questions at this time (laughs) Oh, that's glorious. I, I'm looking forward to seeing someone else play this game. <laughs> uh, you're a more powerful person than I am. <laughs> <laughs> or at least you must be broken in different ways. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> that's probably it. Yeah. As a perennially tired father, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> Moving directly on from that. <laughs> yes. So fears and fathoms. <laughs> yes, fears and fathoms. So the reason I learned that you existed was from Robin, our shared buddy Robin. Ah, Robin. Uh, so how did you? Fun. Yes, absolutely. I am a huge fan of Robin. Uh, Shrek Tabletop is just excellent. Uh, Era mm-hmm. of Silence, I love it. 
Uh, shout out to Era of Silence, one of my favorite combat heavy games out there. And I'm not just saying that because I'm in partnership with them and they are my publisher. I actually just genuinely love that game. Oh, it's incredible. The amount of work she put into there with her team is just like, it's, it's mind boggling. I mean, and all the things like that had to be cut uh, for, from the definitive edition that I got to look at. And I'm like, oh, why, why are they not there? Well, because people didn't give enough money to the Kickstarter. And I'm like, yeah, but I want my boys. I want my baddie and boys. <laughs> Just give me the PDF of it, okay? Just, Please. I need this. I need. Yeah, so Robin, how I met uh, Robin is because... Uh, so Robin was introduced to me by uh, my other partner, uh, Emily Allen, uh, author of uh, Dungeon Bitches, if you're familiar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the Stygian Library. Uh, also, Emily, if you're listening, I love you. I also um, love you, but just in a different way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Emily, uh, Emily just uh, sort of like mentioned working. So what happened was basically... Uh, Emily mentioned working with uh, Robin and like having acquaintances with her. And I was like, you know what? I want to make these two supplements for Fears and Fathoms. And I think I want them to be like actually published by someone who knows how to do press shit (laughs) and who also has more experience in like the the space, like as an actual publisher. And I was like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm going to toss them a resume, essentially. And I just pitched them the uh, two things we're going to be kickstarting in November, uh, which is two expansions slash setting guides for Fear and Fathoms, which are the Grift Golden Grave and uh, the other extension, which is called Classified. And I'm just for funsies, Nate, pal, try to Take a wild guess at which genres of horror these two games touch on. Ooh, classified has to be like Delta Green, I'm thinking, like mm-hmm. X Files style stuff. And yes. the other one, hmm, Westerns? Is it yes. Westerns? Oh, it is Weird West. Nailed it. Yes. <laughs> Uh, the Grift Golden Grave is a, uh, is a uh, Weird West. Uh, uh adventure it is a sort of so the idea for both of these games is that they are uh sort of expansion campaign roles for specific genres so like it is you you need the base game for like the overall core of the game uh but the idea is that uh so for the grift golden grave there is a main character who is the guilty they it's it has playbooks uh, the guilty has uh, made a uh, pact with a, some eldritch being, and the eldritch being wants to cash in on that pact, and the uh, guilty doesn't want to, <laughs> because uh, the eldritch power they got are pretty sweet, and also dying and belonging mm-hmm. to a weird eldritch, that'd be not fun. <laughs> so the idea is that you and your gang are going to go on sort of uh, Oregon Trail through the Weird West uh, to flee from the curse until you can't flee anymore and have to face it in a ultimate showdown. Which is, so basically uh, the idea is that the, uh, the focus, like it's a campaign which has a main character, which is, you know, something that I don't know 
which I don't know if it's for everyone because it does put the focus on one player around the table, which, I mean, having doing it, done that, having tested that kind of thing creates very interesting dynamics around the table, but, you know, it's not for everyone. Uh, but the idea is just to deal with the dynamics of the party around that, around, am I still going to follow you through the end? Uh, do I have to be the one who holds your hand towards this thing, which is completely your fault, to be clear? <laughs> uh, and like the fact that, you know, the guilty still deserves to not be alone. Right. Uh, because the guilty is accompanied by the other playbooks, which is not the same thing as being accompanied by these other characters. Uh, the idea is that like each playbook uh, is a legacy and every time any of these characters retire, someone who has the same deal essentially joins the party again. You do not change playbooks uh, because it's sort of just this destiny that the uh, uh, guilty has to always be cursed to not be alone, which is a blessing too, because better be alone, better not be alone. But uh, mm. it also means that they can't just be an asshole about, you know, feeling guilty about the bad shit they've done right uh it's it's heavy uh <laughs> and yeah it's it features like a uh, it will feature like a sort of uh deck building meta plot mechanic that is very narrative heavy uh but also is meant to like give uh the uh game master tips on how to lead the game uh, on how to build the different like vignettes and stops that the the characters make throughout the game, and then classified uh, is a completely different genre of game because it's in, because it's uh, me just sniffing all of a band of blades's panty drawers. Uh, <laughs> it's just all of it, just being like, mm, give it to me, and it's essentially um, a mix between a uh, band of blades and sleep away. <laughs> uh, the idea is that you are a secret service. Uh, the players will alternate between, between playing directorial staff of the occult government agency that make sure that the things that go bump in the night go bump solely in the night in designated spaces where they don't kill anyone. Uh, <laughs> and their agents, and also just the people who live in the place where an apocalypse cult is trying to summon a horror from beyond the colors of time in order to bring about the end of the world as we know it. And yeah, uh, it's the idea is just to manage this enormous inhuman machine. Uh, it's basically my love letter to public service, but you know, that love letter to see, that you send to an ex being like, ah, my man, you're so fucked up. I hope you're getting better, but we're not getting back together. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, the essential idea is that like big government machines are dehumanizing uh, as fuck and that you are, you are doing a job where you need to be inhuman to get your job done and save lives. Uh, but also, you know, it's kind of, uh, st you still have to do fucked up shit, which is why like every session, the players have this contrast between um, like the shadowy, faceless uh, agenda agency staff that they play, and then the group that they send on away missions, like investigating shit and like collecting clues uh, <clears throat> that like 
have also have this contrast within themselves of the contacts, which are just normal, regular ass human beings uh, that just live there and know that something is afoot. And the agents who, have, who are just like professionals, they are uh, the men and women in black, uh, like mirror shades, suit and tie, uh, handguns with a silencer, you know. Right, the classics. <laughs> yes. I'm, it's, uh, yeah. I'm just, I'm so amused by how disparate these two approaches are. <laughs> yeah. But they're built on the same chassis. Yeah, they, uh, the main, the, so the main thing is that the uh, character generation from uh, Fears and Fathoms and the core resolution mechanics stay the same. Uh, the main conceit being that, like, I, I want also, like, the themes of Fears and Fathoms of, uh, Throughout all this, you still have to take breaks. Uh, even if you like ha- are playing for overarching plots with several characters, especially in the case of classified, because cla- the point of classified is that there are like it is fairly possible that you will play a player character that just appears once, uh, and then you never play them again either because they die or because they just not sent in on mission because you create other characters because you shape this world and by caring about it you protect it the idea is that uh like that that's the main focus that i want to keep at the center of everything and the yeah the two are very different but they are both very dear and near to my heart yeah two genres that i really like and that i wanted to explore with a more uh, with, a, with a less self-indulgent approach that I might have on my spare time. Like, I'm a big fan of Delta Green and Deadlands, respectively. Two games that I absolutely adore. But um, Deadlands has uh, some, you know, touches on some interesting stuff, but mostly focuses on how shooty gun fun Right, right. Uh, and also sometimes zombies show up, and that's fun. Something-something <laughs> uh, uh, something industry bad, uh, colonization bad, but, you know, we do not touch on that a lot. Like, we talk about it. Racists can only be bad guys, which, good. Good writing. It's Excellent good that job. you put this in... <laughs> Excellent <laughs> job. It is good that you put this in your book. But, you know, uh, it's not deep into it. And it's, uh, on the other hand, uh, Delta Green... Uh, it's fun, but you play cops. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's not really touched on the part of you play cops. And I want to sort of like bring about two things that I think are very interesting in both of these games that are not too, not too talked about, which is in the case of The Grift, Golden Grave, it is, so the Wild West, it's very interesting. Uh, like I, as a white person, I cannot speak for... Uh, all the things that uh, the uh, victims of racism, slavery, uh, colonization, and the native of uh, the uh, the native the genocide of Native Americans, I cannot speak to that. However, mm-hmm. what I'm interested in is the uh, working class history of the Wild West, which is why one of the playbooks is the Painted Lady, which is just explicitly a sex worker because sex work was big at the time. Absolutely, and the idea that. Uh, Europe exported to America all the horrors that it already had and like focus on all these people who were pushed west to die essentially so that 
you know, the US and the uh, and uh, England had a pretext to do violence. Yeah, absolutely. It's manifest destiny, but like, yeah. whose destiny are you manifesting? <laughs> And yeah, I, I cannot speak to, I cannot speak about all the, uh, I, I, I just, I'm just also interested in how uh, the working class in general uh, was fucked over by that. Oh, absolutely. And the idea is that all these demons were just like stuff, like some people literally came to the, uh, to the, uh, to America to flee from this and they couldn't. Like they went on to like settle and then they died horrible deaths. Some people went to flee from it. Some people went to start their own version of it. And unfortunately, yeah, Yeah, but you know, the people who started their own version of it, these are the bad guys. They are not interesting to me. (laughs) They are just a demon. (laughs) They are, they are just a demon. Uh, Those that I'm interested in are just the people who are, who are sort of like tossed in there by fate or, uh, the very visible hand of capitalism, a and, and yeah, it's uh, th- that's what I'm interested in. And on the side of uh, of classified is just so cops, <laughs> <laughs> cops. Let's talk about cops. Uh, let's talk about okay. Uh, we definitely need people to be human and to take care of problems that are very real in our society. Uh, let's examine exactly why cops are not fit for this and why you need to actually be human to do this and how being a cop dehumanizes you. Because, yeah, um, if you are playing a government agency that, whose job is to keep the paranormal hush-hush, I'm sorry, you're playing a cop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you're playing a cop. It's, there's no way around that. It's, it can be very fun to play a cop. Um, there is a French game that I absolutely love that is actually just called Cops, <laughs> C-O-P-S, which yeah. is about a, uh, which is about doing American police brutality. It's just literally the premise of the game. Oh, <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> it's, it's like it's fully very self-aware about the themes it's playing with. It's a pretty good game. Uh, it's very bad boys but let's interrogate ourselves on why bad boys is problematic sort of vibe but we still kind of like bad boys and like that's kind of the thing i'm going with for classified i still kind of like classified and i think that um sadly uh it is quite uh it is quite reasonable to imagine a lot of people who genuinely try to join these jobs to do good and i do know of you know, people who are helped by cops, genuinely. Uh, I know that some cops are not pieces of shit, but, you know. <laughs> right, right. The whole system is made to break you and to make you not care, uh, actually, and to just care about your own survival. And to and that's also, like, the story I want to tell are stories of people who are ne- next to cop and have to tell them, hey, listen, mate, uh, you need to fucking calm down because uh, we know that we know that woman. She's just old Jenny. Yes, she has no shadow. No, she does not show show up in mirror or on video fe- feeds. But she has kept. Uh, you know, she uh, she she's like she's dealing with her shit. Leave her alone. <laughs> she's mostly harmless. It's fine. <laughs> she's mostly harmless. It's fine. And like. The fact that, uh, like, I want to sort of do this thing where uh, what I'm interested in is not cops. 
It's the people who need to stop being cops. I, like, again, I have no love for cops. Uh, I have no, I've, I legitimately, whenever I find out that someone that's close to me uh, is a cop, I usually just, sh like, either uh, unfriend them or move their, move away a bit because, you know, uh, the second being trans becomes illegal, this person will be legally obligated to put me in jail. Right, um, right. And I can't trust that. Um, and it's it's not fun, but I can't like I can I can put my trust on the, on someone like that. It's something that I do to protect myself. However, uh, I'm interested in people, and it happens that some people are cops. Uh, it it happens that some people before uh, try to be cops, or in general, they are government workers. And you know, when you're a government worker in your area, you will enforce, you know, the violence of the state, which you can argue that uh, not all services are as superfluous as cops. Like, I mean, I do not dislike the fact that there are people that teach math to kids. <laughs> I think that is okay. Uh, and I think that uh, between that and private education, I do prefer, I do prefer a government education uh, with all that this entails. It's all that kind of like it's it's a big mishmash of things and the amount of empathy that you give to people and who you give it to never I don't think will ever be like a uh, static thing in a person's life mm -hmm. essentially is the point or even like in a given situation like uh, it's just it's something that you have to decide for yourself on a moment to moment basis and it's not necessarily an easy choice to make that i went on a tangent on this but yeah uh, i was enjoying it i was letting you go <laughs> yeah it's long story short horror <laughs> is a good way i think to explore a lot of nuance within uh political stuff and the advantage of having like a light narrative system is that you can also just uh more easily find the dose uh, of militantism and the kind of that direction of militancy that she wants to go in, basically. I always think it's interesting, like fantasy for a lot of people, and for me, it lets you deal with some difficult topics in a softer way because you can kind of dress it up like, oh, it's not you know the violence of the state, that's a dragon you're fighting against. He's the mm -hmm. one hoarding the wealth. And it's, it makes it, it removes it from reality to a, to a, mm -hmm. a different degree than horror does. Whereas horror mm -hmm. says, okay, no, no, no here's the stuff it looks directly at its face unflinchingly and now you mm -hmm. have to deal with it yeah but listening to you to talk about the specters that were haunting europe that came over to us and to not communism but the opposite of that really the fascism the the inequality that spread over this way and how we implemented it on the people that were already here and the violence of the state and the the corruption of that and how that's influencing your game design and your ethos i can see where your horror comes from now. And I, I, I really appreciate that you're using so much of that context to make these games. I, I think you're doing a fantastic job. I, I'm really glad. I am so excited to see what else you come up with now. I feel like I, I was already pretty excited for your Kickstarter coming up and now I am like mm. doubly so. I will be the first person 
to put my name on there and get your stuff because I want to play this. I want to see more of what you can make. Uh, hey, uh, well, it will be uh, it will be a pleasure to hear about what you do uh, because I I'm also different to differently interested in, in uh, hearing you play more stuff. So <laughs> <laughs> before I let you go, I have one question for you. Yes. What's your What's your favorite horror movie of all time? So I'm going to be real with you. Mm-hmm. I don't like horror movies. Whoa! <laughs> I'm extremely squeamy. I like reading horror. I like playing very specific kind of horror games. I do not like horror movies uh, because often, okay, no, I do not like movies that make me scared. Okay. To be fair, to be be more exact. So like, I'm not a fond of slashers. I'm not fond of things like the thing, like thrillers. I I do Mm. not enjoy at all. I enjoy playing them. I do not enjoy uh, watching them. Because what's fun to me about horror games is the fact that you have agency in them. Even if the game is often about losing agency through, you know, stuff like, like you know, sanity loss and the like, uh, there is still a direction that you take and you can just be like, but I want to know. And this is why my character explores instead of taking directional decision, which is just hitting the bricks. Because if it sucks, hit the bricks. Uh, <laughs> it's, yeah. Um, it's, however, I do like some horror movies. I guess you could call Existence a horror movie. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you that one. Yeah. It has, it has, it has body horror, body horror at the very least. And it's, it's a movie I really enjoy. I'm not good at picking favorites. <laughs> I have movies that I like. Uh, some of them happen to be horror. I really liked The Cabin in the Woods. Yep, that was a great uh, one. <laughs> but it's it's mostly a comedy. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's mostly a comedy, but again, hauntology. Uh, it's, uh, because it's it's all about, it's a, a very our generation movie, you know? Yeah, it's ironic it's, as meta like, as hell. It's, <laughs> it's ironic as, as hell, but also there's this thing where uh, y'all have left this gone on uh, for too long, and now you want us to sacrifice ourselves for y'all to keep this crazy machine going? Nah, just let the like spoilers for the cabin in the woods. But at the end, Cthulhu <laughs> ends the world because yeah. <laughs> uh, you, because you, the, the young people are are just done with sacrificing themselves for uh, the adults. Just stop. They they don't want to. No, no, stop. <laughs> they don't want to. And and that's a fucking mood. <laughs> yeah. Let's see. I'm I'm just trying to see if I have seen any movies that I that qualifies as horror that qualifies horror. And no, like yeah, I that's okay. I don't I haven't <laughs> seen I mean I oh yes, no, of course. I will always be in love with Alien. Mm. The original movie. Uh, nope. First, because Sigourney Weaver, hello. Yeah. I, <laughs> because I, I am nothing if not a massive lesbian. But also, um, <laughs> but also, uh, no, it's 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 a movie that sh- has shaped my love for movies in general, and mm. I have enjoyed rewatching it at different stages of my life. And I, I would say, yeah, if I had to pick a favorite horror movie, it would be Alien. I think. 
Yeah. Fantastic choice. Uh, I actually took my co-host to see that in theaters recently. They re-released it out here for like one night. Oh. Yeah. Oh, that must be great. Oh, it was incredible. The sound is so, it's designed mm, for a theater. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I hope you get the chance to do that one day. <laughs> I mean, uh, we do have, so uh, in the, uh, in the uh, backwater-ass village I live in, we do have one cinema. I do not think they will ever show Alien in it, but, you know, there's hoping. I mean, remember the right month. I know I'm not sure what France does for Halloween, but I don't think anything. Um. Uh, no, no, no. We do do some things for Halloween because capitalism has got us. Um, Yay! <laughs> and also because then you know uh, uh, we do have a carnival tradition in France that we mm. do not really observe anymore, but the culture of like getting into costumes and stuff is still there. So yeah, I you know what? Yeah, I should ask if they want to play some horror movies, but. I need to like get into the social hierarchy of this village a bit more before I can do that. <laughs> Which uh, for now, I'm just uh, the weird uh, grandchild of uh, the uh, old guy who planted trees. <laughs> so, I mean, you know. I mean, it's a hard legacy to live up to, but I think you can do it. It is. No, uh, no joke. Uh, my, my grandpa was actually like pretty big around here. Uh, so I do kind of have to live up to something and, but I think I'm going to do well for myself. After our conversation today, I am positive that you will kick and scream and carve whatever niche you need to make to, to achieve <laughs> great things in this world. And I, I can't kick wait to scream. see it. Kick and scream is accurate. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm you. behind that's, you all the way. <laughs> uh, that's, that's, that's pretty good to hear. Before I let you go for the evening, is there anything you want our listeners to know? Yeah, uh, birds aren't real. Uh, do not like this. Is, <laughs> I, I, I'm completely off the books here. I know that Shrike Tabletop will be mad at me uh, for saying this, but birds, especially shrikes, don't exist. Uh, don't let the government lie to you. Um, like that, Robin. No, <laughs> hey there, Robin. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> Got a problem? <laughs> Your name is fake. <laughs> uh, smooch. Uh, no, um, more serious, on more serious notes. Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, follow me on my Twitters. Uh, I have a Twitter, which is uh, at Ribston P. And uh, I ha- also have, there is also a Twitter for Fears and Phasms, which will, which tweets weird and ominous things. <laughs> and it is just simply at Fears and Fathoms all in one word, because that's what, uh, you know, that's how ads work on Twitter. And yeah, yeah do keep an eye on it because I'm going to be writing some stuff because I like still doing art and writing fiction that I wouldn't say that is for Fear and Fathoms because Fear and Fathoms is just, is just like, you know, a mixed bag of horror, but like that evoke the feel I'm going with for Fear and Fathoms even though there's no consistent universe to Fear and Fathoms. Wendy, thank you so much for your time and for coming on the show today. I really appreciate it. I, it was, it was a blast. You are a delightful host. <laughs> thank you so much. I appreciate that too. And I'll talk to you very soon, okay? Mm-hmm. All right, take Thank care. You. Hey, folks, it's me, Jenna. You know, from old-timey episodes of The Pot of Blunders. I'm doing the outro this week because I'm going to make my bold return to the podcast in next week's episode. I can't wait for you to hear what we did with Fears and Fathoms. It's 
special. We want to thank Wendy for coming on the show and for being what Nate described as a, quote, cool hang. You can pick up all of Wendy's games via itch.io by following the link in the show notes. Oh, and watch out for the upcoming Fears and Fathoms Kickstarter. Nate will be tweeting on it constantly when it goes out live, so make sure that you're following Pot of Blunders on Twitter for updates. Or, you know, follow Fears and Fathoms. Or both. Probably both. We want to thank all the patrons for their support over the past two years and invite everyone else out there to join in on the fun. Sign up via patreon.com slash podofblunders to get exclusive access to parts of our Discord channel, a ton of bonus episodes, and the ability to phase through solid matter. Maybe not the last one. Thanks for listening, and please tune in next week for my glorious return to the podcast. Oh, and Nate and Richard's usual bullshit. Whee! Thank <laughs> you.